brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. It's sippin' time. Welcome to this episode of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. This is a sip segment. I am one of your hosts today, good old boy Mike, and joining me for this segment is good old gal Lisa. Cheers. <laughs> We're talking about the very best wines we've had for yes. 2013, and I really just can't wait to talk about... So many great wines that uh, I've had here in 2013. Just a, a lot of great, a lot of great events, a lot of good industry tastings, a lot of great wine festivals that I've been to. Just so many really, really great products that we've had. A, we've had a chance to talk about some of those here on the show. Uh, not nearly enough time uh, to chat about these. I'm sure you've had a great time in 2013 as well, haven't you? I've been on a, a ride of my life in 2013. I lived in Austin, Texas for half the time, and now I'm back in Nashville, and just had some of the best experiences that life could offer. Yeah. Well, lots of great wine, definitely, uh, to share here in uh, the Mid-South as well. And we have some great wines to uh, to chat about today as well. One is uh, we're going to first talk a little bit about some of the vintages and some of the wines that may have just captured our attention before announcing uh, our favorite wine of the year here for Sip, Suds, and Smokes. You know, I think one of the things that a lot of people ask me, they go, you know, well, Mike, how do you really go and and find really great wine? And I think one of the uh, things that I find, you know, telling people to do is read the harvest reports. You know, a lot of people want to go to other publications or a lot of things that are people are telling them are kind of good and it's almost an after the fact. You know, it's like saying um, uh, Apple was a really good investment 10 years ago. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, buying, uh, you know, a stock was really great, you know, well after the fact. Or, you know, I think you, you should have, you know, bought that house after it's appreciated 40% or something strange like that. You know, the same thing is true with wine is that if you understand what is going on with the harvest, and you'll have a really good chance of really scooping up on a really great, um, you know, vintage as well. And so, <clears throat> you know, part of the the thing that I do as a ritual every year is reading a lot of the harvest reports that come out. And you know, sometimes it's just dead on. You know, you can you can read the harvest report and you can see what's coming out and. It, it aligns directly with a good harvest equals good grapes or good wine. But that's not always the case. Um, winemakers do some amazing things, even with some less than stellar wines. And I know you've had probably had some, some vintages that you went, wow, the vintages are not lining up with what I thought. Oh, my God, this wine is really good. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, you know, there have been some really great vintages that uh, we've all experienced. And I think one of the other things that I watch along the way are uh, elements of barrel tasting notes that come out that align directly with, you know, the harvest as well. So 
one thing is to watch you know where good weather's you know really coming down but the other is is to look at, at barrel tasting notes you know that are coming out roughly about a year after the harvest and things have been basically put into barrels and you know there's there's some early you know tasting notes that are coming out out of barrel tastings and so you know for those of us that are you know purchasing things that are aligned with futures and you're actually just buying buying the right to buy the wine um, as opposed to actually buying the wine these are those are the things that you're watching you know many times as you're watching the weather and you're watching the barrel tasting notes uh, to get in line for just the ability to buy the wine not actually purchase the wine itself so um, there are uh, some really great vintages that I wanted to chat about here as well you know easily at the top of my list is the uh, 2010 you know uh, vintage from the Bordeaux region I mean just wow I mean how amazing you know the wines have been you know for uh, Bordeaux in 2010 and I really think back at what has been some some really great you know vintages and, and many things that I'm just now even beginning to uh, enjoy myself um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of close to the end of polishing off, you know, some some things from '92, '95 that, you know, are just now really coming into you know full maturity. Um, the 2000, you know, uh, vintage itself was just, you know, really um, an an amazing vintage. Um, and I think a lot of when people think of vintages, you know, within the Bordeaux region that really trace back, the 82, you know, um, vintage itself is, is something that a lot of people have a lot of bellwether comparisons coming back to 82 and 2000 have just been a lot of point of comparison. And it's the ability of having sustainable ability of grapes across many areas and region within Bordeaux, Bordeaux itself. I don't think that... Uh, you know, 2010 was really was very good, and I think that you can probably walk into any store uh, right now and, you know, look at a 2010 Bordeaux that they may have. It may be a first growth, if you can afford it, a second growth, which is definitely, you know, within a lot of people's purchasing power, or even a lot of, you know, third growths um, that are, you know, widely available as well that I think that you can walk up and really enjoy. Um you have a chance to, to have any 2010, you know, Bordeaux this year? I believe I did when we were doing the advanced certification for WSET in Texas. We drank no less than, or excuse me, sampled no less than 30 wines a day, and we went through the whole, whole Bordeaux region. Yeah. So I believe we had some. Bordeaux, to me, is just unlike anything else. It's yeah. very unique. You That is what you get when you really want to have an amazing wine experience and and again i like to do the pairings um, i i don't drink a lot of bordeaux but when i do i want to make sure that i have the one that i know that's the best yeah well you know there have been uh some really great uh first growths that um you know i've been i've had the pleasure of enjoying you know even as they have just been coming out um but uh, there have even been a lot of third growths, you know, that I've um, that I've enjoyed. Um, so, one of the ones that really caught my attention was Chateau Girard, um, and this is a I don't it's probably a a third growth that's that's available, um, you know, widely available. And the price point of this is is something that a lot of people can find. 
um, you know, across many different distribution channels. And, you know, I think that's uh, one of the things that I would probably say about the, you know, 2010, you know, Bordeaux in general. I think that if somebody just had the, just the simple capability of buying even contract grapes and shoving them in a bottle with a label would have been able to sell this vintage. It was just basically, it was just a no-brainer. I mean, I just think that the grapes were that good that most people could make really great, you know, wine out of this. So, And did you have some to share? Uh, not today. I don't have some of the Chateau Girard, but I have had uh, the Chateau Girard, um, you know, and... You know, the first growth that I had was Latour, and mm-hmm. I just, you know, I can't say enough good things about, you know, about that. I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal. Uh, the Chateau Mar- Margot that I had uh, was um, also uh, very good. Lafitte Rothschild um, from 2010, I thought was definitely singing a good song, but I just don't, you know, the first grows are just not usually within, you know, a, a tremendous, you know, a lot of people just don't can't even find the bottle let alone mm-hmm. afford it even if they could find it so but again you know i think there are a lot of really great second and third grows you know um i think the real surprise out of this particular vintage was that the go-to region uh was actually grapes um it was not the Pouliac region or saint Emilion. um were uh, I, I really um i really thought that actually going outside the traditional Apuliac region um, was would really be something that you would be looking for. And so you're going to find probably, again, a better price point looking for Bordeaux that are, you know, in that region as well. So <clears throat> um, definitely uh, something I wanted to start off by talking about. But strangely enough, my wine of the year is not from I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I've tasted it, and it's amazing. I know, and everybody's hanging on every word, you know, wondering, when are you going to get to the punchline here, Mike? Well, you know, the the other really great regions that have experienced some great vintages this year that we chatted about, um, so uh, continue to have just really great quality grapes coming out of uh, Argentina and Chile. Um, it's just an explosive area, and just when I think that they're just simply going to run out of gusto, they just keep on producing really great wines, you know, in Argentina and Chile. And I agree. It's yes. just um, amazing wines, and even the young wines that I'm having, um, you know, out of that area are just still continue to be amazing. The um, the Malbecs, uh, you know, definitely from. Uh, probably uh, almost 2007 spanning to 2010 over a three-year period of time have just been uh, just mind-blowing and you know um, I I think uh, they have definitely you know put a foothold in establishing you know producing just some really great wines you know with Malbecs that have been produced um, very consistently across many different vineyards. So I think it's just really great, you know, that those those wines are doing really well. Um, what's your go-to uh, grape when you think about Argentina and Chile? Well, of course, um, you know, you're going to think of Malbec when you talk about Argentina. And, and I've had several Malbecs that I've enjoyed. That actually, the first time I ever had that, 
a Malbec was when I was in Austin at a little wine shop by my house and I don't remember I don't remember which one I had but I, yeah. I just I, I've really great grapes I absolutely think. great grape and of course every bottle that you taste um, Creos hmm. comes to mind okay female winemaker wine hmm. yes That's a and different I twist, for I sure. I really enjoyed that. I believe that might have been the first Malbec that I've had, mm. and I enjoyed that. Well, I look forward to many years of enjoying all of that wine, you know, coming out of that region. Um, so the last region that we're going to talk about in terms of just general uh, grapes, actually, I will give it away, contains our wine pick of the year. Uh, as well, and that is España, yeah. Spain, and specifically the uh, Rioja region. And um, for those of you that may not be familiar with uh, the wines of Rioja, um, you know, typically uh, Tempranillo is the dominant grape um, within the Rioja region. Sometimes they are blended um, with other uh, blending grapes in the area as well. Sometimes you'll find them blended with. Um, a Grenache, or uh, there are a couple of few vendors that would blend a uh, Cab and Tempranillo. Um, but, you know, it is definitely, you know, those vineyards that are going with straight up 100% Tempranillo that uh, really capture the heart, you know, and essence of uh, the region itself. The uh, distinction of various um, wines in the area, Crianzas, uh, are a distinction of Yuli wines that are only aged for about a year um, and then they are made available to the public. Riojas are typically aged somewhere between uh, uh, probably three to five years. The uh, reservas um, themselves are not only a distinction of uh, aging characteristic but they're sometimes the reservas are just a distinction that are made because of the quality of the grapes themselves. So they may be aged at least four years, and um, but they may they may be aged for longer than that as well. So hopefully I got that right. Did I get that right? You know, that's there, there Lisa. Right. Yes, I think pretty close. Right. I, I get close to my exam. You know, yes. <laughs> characteristics there. You passed. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Remember about half of what really you know counts. So. Um, just phenomenal wine uh, that has come out of the Rioja region. And I know that you've had a lot of wine out of the Rioja region. And I know there's a particular white that you, you love you know, talking about as well that may be your top pick. Yeah, again, wines, I don't separate that a lot from emotion and fun and time and food. And, and one of the whites that stand out for me um, was... A grape called Godella hmm. and I had that for the first time in Austin Texas at a place called Twin Liquors a friend of mine worked there and I was looking for particular Spanish wines to pair with paella that I was cooking and she introduced me to this Godella and I just love it it is it's unique it's unusual there may be a market somewhere in this United States that I don't know about that just Godella is like any other grape on the shelf but I didn't find that to be. I haven't found that a lot. And it's what makes it stand out differently from other white wines is that it, it is a it's a 
big white wine. It's got a lot of nice, intense. Think of um, it's a dry white, but it's nice and fruity. Uh, think of um, dried pineapple. Think of um, I think they mentioned creme brulee, the the, the creamy vanilla. Mm. Um, yet it's dry, balanced, sweet. dry sweet, but it's but it's balanced with um, with a lot of nice acidity, which really makes it well for pairing with seafood dishes. Uh, great for summertime, summer heat, whether you're in Texas mm. or Tennessee. Um, so, but that was I enjoyed that, and I still do. Well, this is a grape that I'm not familiar with, and you know, definitely even those tasting characteristics. You know, I mean, even thing the a couple of things that even approach that you know tasting characteristic for mine is you know there are some German rieslings you know mm-hmm. um, that have some of the same characteristics, but I would never use the the word pineapple you know with. Um, with a lot of the German Rieslings. And I think that there are probably some uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs that I think would bring forward, you know, some of the fruit and, mm-hmm. and drying aspects, but not anything to the point where I would even describe them, you know, in those same characteristics. So this is a wine that I did not get to try this year, or frankly, even a, a grape that I've enjoyed, you know, in the past, sure. at least that I recall. Um, so, you know, I look forward to the opportunity of, of trying that sometime. So yeah, maybe, maybe we'll fly down to Austin just to try Okay. Uh, just give me a reason <laughs> to go anytime. No, it's fantastic. Well, I know you've had a lot of great wine from the Rioja region in general. And this is something, you know, this is a wine that you enjoy daily. This is a this is right in your wheelhouse, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so when you think about Riojas in general, um what are some of the tasting characteristics? I mean, if just somebody had to ask you straight up, what's a really great Rioja taste like? I mean, what, what are you looking for? Well, when I'm buying wines or recommending wines to somebody, I really want an approachable wine, a wine that has a lot of flavor, a lot of complexity to it, a lot of character. And that's what I think about a Rioja. You just have so many different wonderful characteristics going on, layers of flavors, fruit, uh, which really makes it... Um, just a nice drinking wine. Uh, Tempranillo can. It's also soft, um, soft and a pliable wine with good good balance to it. Really pairs really well. Again, I, as you know, I cook paella for myself, friends, and anybody who wants me to cook paella for them. And I there's so many flavors going on in a paella and in Spanish food. I do a lot of tapas also, and a Rioja, Rioja is one of the perfect one. Uh, food pairing wines there is um, a lot of red fruits you know like strawberry raspberry a lot of dark fruits from the tempranillo uh, a lot of good tannins from the tempranillo um, blackberry there's spices in there it just goes really well with anything it goes great with a summer day mm-hmm. uh, when, uh, we're about to have some major winter weather going on here I, I say crack up in a rioja and sit by the fireplace and enjoy mm-hmm. I, I think it's one of the most um what would you say um just friendly wines a very just anybody could enjoy one well and i'll at the i'll actually go and answer you know part of my own question here as well is that uh and you were getting there which was you know approachable red yes you know so many other uh red um reference grapes um are imposing at times uh when i think of the way that uh, cabernet sauvignon especially in the Cal- in the california varieties it just feels like a, a red you know bell pepper shoved up my left nostril yeah. you know the whole time <laughs> you know the shirazes it's you know full-out attack on you all season you know it's on your on your uh on your palate all the time mate um so 
you know, um, when I think of even the way that Bordeaux's, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just an attack of the senses. You know, I mean, it's just an all-out all out assault, you know. Um, this is one of the few uh, aspects of, of red reference grapes where it's approachable even in its varietal form. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, there are... Um, there are elements where it the tannin uh, characteristics around Tempranillo can be softened uh, much faster um, than many of these other you know reference grapes as well, and so uh, the even the ability of laying down a Tempranillo um, for five years, mm. I just you know I think it's going to be at its peak even within such a short period of time where. Trying to do something like that with you know other these other red grapes, it may take you know eight, ten, you know twelve years, you know to uh, really being able to soften the the tannins around them. Mm-hmm. So um, the grape itself is really good. I think a good word is lush. Yeah, balanced lush. Hmm. Well, we're getting very close here to uh, announcing our uh, our top pick for uh, sip suds and smokes and. So uh, I'll give away a little bit here, which is it is a 2009 uh, vintage uh, of Rioja uh, that we're going to be talking about. Um, The 2009 uh, harvest itself was, I mean, it was really good. Um, But there weren't a tremendous number of, you know, stellar vineyards that really seized on the opportunity. In fact, um, 2004 was probably a better vintage, you know, in the Rioja area than the 2009. Although there were a lot of really great, um, you know, wines that were produced out of 2009. Um, I don't think of it as a reference vintage. So I think this really says an awful lot about the vineyard itself and the quality of the winemaking, mm-hmm. you know, around this as well. And so. You know, while we really could have picked a, a wine out of some of these other areas, you know, it's like, um, why would you reward just simply doing something that Mother Nature's done 95% of the work, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, part of what we're doing here is acknowledging the quality of, you know, the winemaker, you know, behind this as well, as well as just, you know, the natural aspects of geography and weather around it as well. So our, uh, our top pick for uh, 2013 is going to be a Rioja from 2009 from a vineyard called Vina Harmonia, and it's their Excellus is uh, the grape that we're picking. I mean, just really a, a phenomenal uh, wine. And uh, so we look forward to going through our tasting notes of you know this wine between Lisa and myself. So Lisa, I know today was the first day you got to enjoy this, so why don't you share your tasting notes around this as well? Well... I was really surprised. I didn't know what to expect. I love Riojas. I've tasted all different kinds. And what surprised me was just the pop, the the flavor, and it just went deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think the what, first of all, the intense, the nice blackberry, just the deep, rich. There was nothing juicy fruit. It wasn't like overpowering. It was just this nice, soft, supple, delicious blackberry spiced wine with um all i could think about was my daughter and i eat little chocolate squares every once in a while we get the big you know the real the really good chocolate that's 70 or 75 percent cocoa uh the bittersweet chocolate 
and it reminded me of that in the, that in the background you could really taste that deep rich mocha chocolate flavor and and it was just really nice that the tannins were delicate and very silky i i i want this for my paella this is fabulous it would be a perfect uh, paella pairing wine or just hanging out well i think one of the things that i really enjoyed um you know doing this today is i actually brought this wine for us to enjoy and i really loved watching your reaction to this um and you know we've tasted a lot of wines together and mm. you know every time that i think that i can you know uh get one up on your or trump <laughs> you you're like oh, i've had this before eh, it's just okay you know and i was like oh my god she's gonna taste this and go yeah it's just all right it's just another rioja you were like mm. oh my god this just like is amazing yeah. this pops it is and um so uh, it was good to uh, one share this with you as well thank as you. you know thank you for sharing your, you know uh, some of your reaction around it uh, even some of my own tasting notes from this and and I've had this one probably uh, I don't know about three times this year um, I had it at an in- industry tasting you know early on um, this year back in May and then I, I kept on encountering it you know two and three times you know uh, through the rest of 2013. Um, the uh, I think the thing that uh, captures my attention is just how elegant this is, and that was a word that you yeah. used as well. Um, I I really find a lot of people describing this as luscious. Um, you know, I wrote down that uh, there's a chocolate blend. You know, that really comes across um, even when you're having this. Um, I love the story about you know you and your daughter sitting down and. You know, I can't think of anything better that would go with this when would be, you know, chocolate dipped strawberries, you know, uh, you know, with this wine, I think would just be absolutely, you know, stunning, you know, in terms of the fruit and the chocolate, you know, to go uh, to go with this. I think the one thing uh, with this particular wine that has struck me every single time is the quality, but absolutely um the value price point Mm -hmm. i cannot get my wallet out fast enough to say i will take that all day long this wine is under 20 dollars a bottle on average here in the u.s and um i have probably had wines that are two and three hundred dollars a bottle you know that i would stack this up against all day long and it's just this wonderful example where um you know, a lot of people think that price has something to do with quality, and I could not offer up a better um, example where they are just so wrong um, of using that mentality and purchasing mm-hmm. wine and thinking that the stuff on the top shelf has got to be the good stuff. Um, that may hold true with other things, uh, distilled spirits or beers or you know uh, some other things with wine. Price is not always a reflection of quality. Um, it is sometimes a reflection, most importantly, of demand and supply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a lot of it, guess what? You can charge a premium for it all day long. Um, and I think this is just a wonderful example where even the aspect of supply and demand has brought about some sense of uh, sensibility. Uh, in terms of the pricing for this, I really I could not talk this up enough for most people to seek this out. You should be able to find you know this wine um, in your local stores easily for much of 2014. 
Um, I'm sure that many of our listeners will have the opportunity of being able to uh, purchase this. Um, you know, for those of you that have the ability of purchasing wine and, and even having, you know, purchasing it mail order and having it shipped to your home, there are plenty of uh, plenty of places here in the U.S. where uh, you should be able to do just that. How many cases are you ordering? Good old God, Lisa. Uh, well, you're going to have to give me the supplier so I can. <laughs> I wanted to say something to give your to give our listeners to something to think about a visual. If I had to describe somebody in a very simple way to how this tastes, if you think of the the juiciest, darkest, sweetest cherry that you've had in the summertime mm-hmm. when the cherries come out, and that one blackberry that was better than any of the blackberries in that whole basket that you've gotten and you you look for another one to hope to find that way with a dark chocolate that is what this tastes like it's amazing i know and i loved i, I loved actually just watching you talk about it and you know um there this really brings such an intensity and passion you know to it um and that's you know every now and then you just run across a wine that that does this that just you know, really just captivates um, everything you're thinking about it. This one we're, we're actually having has probably been open for about an hour now, and I would tell you, it is just mm-hmm. totally singing. Um, and the color. Oh, I know. Um, I love this color. So uh, I really couldn't say enough uh, great things um, about the uh, Vigna Hermania uh, Rioja, um, the Excellus uh, from 2009. Just really a, uh, a phenomenal wine. And uh, not only worthy of our our top rating, oh which is five, yes! <laughs> but uh, yes! is uh, absolutely going to uh, you know have everybody hopefully running out and enjoying a bottle of this in 2014 to help you enjoy lots of great things. So, well, uh, it's been a great discussion um, of a lot of great things in 2013, and I'm looking forward to a lot of great wine. You know, uh, coming too. up in 2014. You know, I can't wait. Uh, you know, I'm still on the hunt for the perfect white. Um, I'll confess. Um, you know, I I keep on eyeing. You know, certain vintages. You know, from uh, uh, from Burgundy. Uh, I'm certainly a white Burgundy fan. Uh, I keep on saying, man, I'm just going to find you know the perfect um, Chardonnay. You know, from uh, California that I'm really looking forward to. I have no idea, you know, what I, I have in mind for 2014. I've had a lot of great wine. I mean, uh, even just in the short period of time we've been here in 2014, it just ran across a little, a lot of great wine, you know, that's hitting the market. But uh, I just, uh, I can't, I can't wait. I don't know about you. I can't either. You just got me really interested in that now to find the perfect. Wow, what a what a great thing to think about! I think I will start searching those out too. Well, most of all, I hope that uh, we'll enjoy talking about them here on uh, Subsets and Smokes. And Absolutely, sharing all of our reviews uh, with our listeners throughout this year, and look forward to revisiting us next year as we have this conversation and hearing about what you hear, uh, what you thought were your top picks uh, for uh, 2014 as well. well. I want to thank my co-host, good old gal Lisa, for joining me for this. Cheers. <laughs> Um, and I uh, want to thank our listeners for joining us for all of the best of you know 2013 series. If you want to catch up with uh, the rest of the 2013 uh, best of series, uh, we have other episodes available for our Suds episodes. Uh, this is one of our sips. We'll have uh, other episodes on our Distilled Spirit choices as well as our Smokes uh, choices for 2013 as well. 
all here in the beginning of 2014. So be sure and catch all those episodes if you haven't already. You can catch all those episodes online on iTunes, on uh, Spreaker, on iTunes. Or I'm sorry, I said that twice in the iTunes, Spreaker. Uh, tune in is another uh, avenue that we get as well. Um, if you'd like to catch any of our tasting notes throughout this year on all of our wines, you can catch us on Twitter at, at SipsudSmokes. You can email us anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. I want to thank our listeners and my co-hosts for joining us. For right now, this is good old boy Mike saying keep on sipping. Thank you for having me. And join us again for another episode. Thanks. Bye now. Bye. This has been a one-tan-hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.